Don't let the Grinch get you. We got to keep our hope up during the Christmas season. Now, a couple weeks ago when we were together, I confess to you that it's very difficult for me to get into the holiday spirit. Being that I grew up in New York where we get snow on Halloween, (laughs) that was always the signal to me that Christmas had begun. And since we never get snow before Christmas here, I found when we moved to Salisbury that it was very difficult for me to get into the Christmas spirit. And I said that two weeks ago. (laughs) And I guess my connection with the big guy is a little better than I thought it was. Because he wanted to get me into the Christmas spirit and he brought snow this past week. So I think, you know, I feel like God was just looking at me and saying, hey, don't let the Grinch get you either. All right. Time to get into the Christmas spirit. Time to put a little Christmas music on the radio. Time to put on that sweater that you had in your closet. And so I did all of that this week. I was like, snow, snow was about to come. I was like, let's go get the tree. So we went and got the tree. We decorated the whole thing. And then we had the snow and we had hot chocolate and all this. And so like, we're ready to go. It's, it is the holiday spirit now in full force for the next couple of weeks. And uh, so I thought, you know, I get accused a little bit as, as a pastor of being a little bit of a Grinch because uh, I'm not huge on the Christmas stuff in church and I'm not huge on preaching on Christmas and I, I like to point out that it's just because I'm biblical because, uh, because Matthew talks about it for one chapter and then he has 27 more with nothing about it and then Mark doesn't talk about it at all and then Luke talks about it for two chapters and then he has like a bunch more without it and then John doesn't talk about it at all and so I just figure if they don't really care why should I? Now, so I know some of you think I'm, a, I'm, I'm like a bad person. Some of you are ready to, you're ready to walk out right now, okay? Like some of you gave offerings and you're going to go try and dig it back out because you're afraid that I might not like Jesus. But I do. And, and I just want to focus on the right things at the holiday season so we don't get distracted by all the other stuff. That's what's important to me. Um, but since, we're, since we've got the snow and we're in the holiday spirit, I thought, let's, let's just read a little bit of the Christmas story. Okay, so I'm just going to get out of my Grinchy ways. I'm not going to let the Grinch get me. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, okay? Very beginning of the New Testament. I want to point out something very, very important. And we just sang about this. Matthew chapter 1. If you're new to the Bible, it's there. (laughs) That helps you. All right, I don't know. That's what, two-thirds of the way through or so. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to start in uh, verse 18. We'll go to 23. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her public, uh, public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So he was, he was going to divorce her. They were betrothed to be married, but that was a legally binding obligation. And so he was, to not put her in public disgrace, was going to do that quietly, was going to end the engagement. Uh, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to marry your wife. Do you marry her? wife for that which is conceived in her is of the holy spirit and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the lord through the prophet saying behold the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name emmanuel which is translated god with us. Emmanuel, God with us. 
And I, I want us to take a moment today to think about the fact that God would come to be with us. That God, who is perfect in holiness and justice and mercy, who knows all things, he's all knowing, he's all present, he's all powerful, that he would humble himself to come and be with us. Now I just want, I'm gonna think about me for a moment and you think about you for a moment and the idea of a holy, perfect God being with me and knowing all of my thoughts and all of everything, that a holy God being with me doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That is like, that is like an eagle flying next to a gnat. It's like, it is like a star burning next to a match. It's like LeBron playing ball with TJ. You think he'd be okay? You know he dropped a triple-double on the Hornets last night. Right, so did, Lon- so did Lonzo Ball, which is embarrassing. But, so two, two of them. But yeah, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense that God would take on human flesh that God would come to earth and live like we live. Now, he certainly didn't have to do it, but to think that he would even choose to do it, 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 it's baffling. But that's what we celebrate at Christmas. We call it the incarnation, God taking on flesh. I always hear that word incarnation, and all I can think of is like steak at a Mexican restaurant. (laughs) carne asada flesh okay so if that helps you remember what that term is it's God taking on carne asada God taking on human flesh and coming to be with us and and this is what this is what you know so Matthew gives details of Jesus birth Luke gives details of Jesus birth it's important for us to understand how Jesus was born because it's a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy it proves that he's the Messiah that's talked about in the Old Testament But John, who's Jesus' best friend, he takes the approach that I like to take. John doesn't talk about the the physical nature of Jesus' birth. He talks about the spiritual nature of Jesus' incarnation. So let's look for a moment at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, just one verse. This 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 is the whole Christmas story, according to John. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's all John says about it. Jesus came here to be with us. And then he says, and Jesus was amazing. Jesus was incredible. Can you imagine what, I mean, I know we know humans like you and me. Can you imagine a human being that was fully man and fully God? Jesus was unbelievable. Jesus had this thing about him that attracted people to him. There was like, you know how sometimes you meet someone and I guess it's like a a charisma thing or something. You meet someone and you're like, I don't know what is going on with that person, but there's something special about them. I can't quite put my finger on it. That's what people had with Jesus. They heard him teach and they said things like, nobody teaches like this. This is completely unique. They saw the way that he loved people and they said, People don't love people this way. Something is different about this guy than anybody else I've ever met. Jesus was unique. He was different. He attracted people to him. And there's a very good reason that he was so different. I mean, obviously, he's, he's, he's God in the flesh, right? But Jesus possessed something. Beyond that, Jesus possessed something that we don't. 
and can't. Jesus had a perfect relationship with his father. Jesus had a perfect relationship with God. So Jesus was a perfect reflection of who God was. So when people saw that, it stunned them. They couldn't believe it. They'd never seen anything like it before because they'd never seen anything like it before. Jesus possessed a perfect relationship with the Father because he was born of the Spirit first and he lived without sin. So there was, sin creates a barrier between us and God. There was no barrier between him and God, none at all. And so he set this incredible example for us of what life is supposed to be like and when people saw that, they were absolutely blown away. God was with Christ, Christ was with us. And the hope that we have at Christmas and what what I want us to focus on and hear today is that God wants to be with you. God wants to be with you in the same way that he was with Christ. God wants to take away the barriers that exist between you and him. He wants to remove the sin barrier that exists between you and him so you can have the same kind of relationship with God that Jesus Christ had with God so you could radiate the same kind of love and the same kind of grace and the same kind of mercy that Jesus did. It's unbelievable. This is the hope of Christmas that God would send Christ to be with us so that would be made possible. He had a perfect relationship with God. But the purpose of Jesus' life wasn't to show us how to live. The purpose of Jesus' life wasn't to be born in a manger and fulfill prophecy. The purpose of Jesus' life was to give his own life for us so that the sin barrier between us and God could be removed. And so something incredible happens when Jesus is about 33 years old. This man who's had a perfect relationship with God the Father for his entire 33 years and put that on display for everyone else experiences something that he has never experienced before in eternity. And it happens on the cross. Because of Jesus' teaching, Because of the threat that he was to the established society, he was betrayed by the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the Jews at the time, and he was sentenced to death. And when he hung on the cross, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. This is the purpose of his birth, is to give his life on the cross. And he gives his life on the cross, and something happens there that he has never experienced before. As he takes on the weight of all of our sin, as he pays that penalty for us, Mark chapter 15, verse 34, says, At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. I love, I love this. Anytime that we, uh, we read a text, I always go, go back and look at the original language to make sure we're understanding it correctly. And uh, I was reading uh, through the Greek in this text, and I just think it's funny. Loud voice is megas phone. Megaphone. So I just, I don't know, I had a chuckle as I was reading through that. So he, like he shouted with a megaphone. He shouted as loud as he could. I mean, I just want you to hear this. He wasn't whispering this. He wasn't hiding this. He wasn't saying this under his breath. He was shouting this as with as much as he could muster in the pain that he was experiencing on the cross. With a loud voice, he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? The word forsaken, we don't use that word a whole lot, but the word forsaken means to abandon, to completely leave 
behind. Because when Jesus hung on the cross in order to take on the weight of our sin, he had to experience something he had never in all of eternity experienced. Jesus Christ is a member of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in perfect unity with each other, co-equal with each other. But on the cross, in order to take our punishment, in order to take my sin, and in order to take your sin, he had to be, for the first time ever, disconnected from his Father. For the first time ever, to not be in the presence of God the Father. I cannot imagine what that contrast was like. I remember, I actually remember vividly as a child, the first time that my parents let me stay over at someone else's house for a sleepover. It, my friend's name was Koa Pence. I remember I was five years old, and he was my best friend in kindergarten. And I got to go over to Koa Pence's house, and we had a whole lot of fun during the day. I'd done that plenty of times. But then finally, it came time to go to bed at night, and Koa's mom came into the room, and she, she turned off the light, and we were settled in our spots, and she closed the door, and in the darkness of the room, I experienced something I had never experienced before. Separation from my parents. And I, as a five-year-old, I was scared to death. I, would, I just, all I could think about how far away, like a mile, how far away my parents were from me. And what would happen if something happened? What would happen if someone came in? All of a sudden, all of these thoughts and all of these fears and all this stuff started rushing through my head. And I felt, even though I knew Koa was right there, I knew his parents were in the next room because I had been disconnected for the first time from my parents. I experienced this loneliness and this fear and this dread I had never, ever felt before. And I can only imagine that feeling times a billion when you're the son of God being crucified, taking on the weight of the sin of the entire world, and you for the first time are disconnected from your father. The level of dismay and hopelessness and fear and emptiness loneliness that would overtake him. You know, Jesus experienced excruciating pain on the cross. That's where that word comes from. Excruciate means out of the cross. So he experienced crazy physical pain that we couldn't possibly imagine. He experienced the emotional pain of, of, of everybody who was looking at him and the people he loved watching him be executed. He experienced the social pain of being rejected by the people who were closest to him and the people that were supposed to support him. But it paled, in, all of that paled in comparison to the spiritual pain that Jesus experienced on the cross. To be completely and utterly separated from his father. And let me tell you, that is hell to be completely separated from the love of God, to be completely separated from anything that is good, anything that is joyful, anything that is lovely, anything that is worthwhile, anything that is fulfilling, anything that is hopeful, to be separated from that is hell. You know, there, there are some people who don't want to believe that God exists for a lot of different reasons, but don't want to believe that God exists. To, to say, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing out there. There's nothing more than natural. It's just what we see. It's, it's you know, atoms and it's chemicals and it's all that. It's, it's motion, it's physics. That's all that exists. 
And they would say, you know, if, if hell is separation from God, I've lived my life separated from God and it doesn't seem that bad. So well, we'll just go there and everything will be fine. But I want you to understand that that's not the case. It's not the same. Even in, your, even in your darkest moment, even when you're the most hopeless, when you feel the most alone, it's not the same as hell. It's not the same as being completely separated from God. Because in this life, on this earth, we, it's like we sit on a fence. We, we're not fully in heaven and we're not fully in hell. We, we are sitting on a fence. Even though, even though Satan is the king of this world and we are surrounded by sin and we're surrounded by pain, we're surrounded by loneliness, we're surrounded by heartache, we're surrounded by betrayal and all of this stuff that's around us, we, we get a taste of hell. But God is still present here and God is still at work and he's still showing his love. And so there is good here and there is joy here and there is hope here and there all of that. And so we, we get a taste of both. But what Jesus experienced on the cross was the purity of that disconnection. Something that if you took the worst moment of your life and you multiplied it by a million, you wouldn't even be close to being completely separated from the presence of God. And people would say, well, I don't understand how a God who's loving, a God who's just would send people to a place like that. And the truth is he doesn't. He just gives us what we ask for. If we live our life and refuse to believe in him, refuse to believe that he exists and say, I don't want God, he says, okay, that's what you get. But if we say, I believe in you, God, and I believe that Christ died for my sin, if we put our faith in Christ, he gives us what we want. And he says, okay, if you believe in me and if you believe in Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for you and he rose again, then you will be with me. You will be with me in perfection forever in my presence. And you can be with me now. I want you to know that you don't have to be alone, ever. You don't have to be hopeless, ever. You don't have to live in despair, ever. Because God wants to be with you through his son, Jesus Christ. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. If you put your faith in Christ, you've been brought to God. This is unbelievable. Something we are completely undeserving of. Can we agree? Completely undeserving of. I don't deserve that, not for a second. I think about the things that I've done, the thoughts that I've had, the decisions that I've made. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty horrible person. I'm gonna love Some of you were thinking that earlier when I was talking about Christmas. You already know. You already know. I'm a pretty horrible person. I don't deserve to be with God. But because Christ suffered once for sin... God left his son on the cross so he would never have to leave us on ours. So that we could be brought to God. And not only could we be with him forever, we could be with him now. That we can experience the fullness of life that Jesus demonstrated for us. That he might bring us to God, being, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And if you put your faith in Christ, you get to be with God forever. If you put your faith in Christ, you get to be with God forever. 
If you've, never do, if you've never done that, if you've never believed in Jesus Christ, now's the time to do that so that you can be with him forever and so you don't have to be separated from him forever. But then as we walk through life, we have to choose to experience the presence of God, to live in the presence of God, to feel the presence of God. And that happens the same way that any relationship, the, the closeness in a, in a relationship is felt. I think about my relationship with my wife. That's the most clear relationship, most close relationship I have on earth. And uh, I can tell when things aren't right. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just realize I don't, we don't feel as close or we don't feel as connected as we should right now. For whatever reason, you, know, you kind of drifted, you got busy, things were stressful, whatever happened. And you realize, hey, I'm not as close as I should be. You can feel that. You experience that disconnection. And so then you have to make some decisions in order to bring that relationship back together. So we're going to go do date night. Jess and I love to go do one night trips. Like we love going to Greenville for a night, eat some great food, stay in a hotel, go to Asheville or somewhere like that. We love doing that sort of thing. And uh, we, those are like our reconnect points. And what happens to us is that even though uh, our relationship with God, God is with us, there get these sin starts to get in, starts to creep in and create a disconnect. Now, it's not going to keep us from being with him forever, but it disrupts our relationship just like it does with me and my wife. And so we need those reconnect points. And I wonder for those of us who are uh, Christians, who put our faith in Christ, I wonder if the best thing we could do in Christmas is reconnect that relationship with God. Is say, God, you sent your son to be with us so that I could be with you. And maybe for a lot of us, we've gotten off track from that. We've allowed busyness to get in the way. We've allowed sin that we're living in in our life to get in the way and disconnect us from God. And we feel that and we know that. We're experiencing it. And the best thing we could do this Christmas is to say, God, I want to reconnect with you. I want to be as close to you as I can possibly be. And that might mean making some decisions to change some habits or lifestyles or choices. It might mean implementing some new things like, like praying every day or reading every day. Maybe you'd open up and just read the Christmas story every day. Maybe I need to do that. You know? Just read the Christmas story every day, warm my heart up a little bit to that or something. But I think the best thing that we could do over this Christmas season is to reconnect ourselves with God. And so I want to encourage you to think about what that means for you what decision you need to make in order to take that relationship to the next level. Maybe for some of you, it's believing in Christ for the first time and accepting salvation. Maybe it's making those lifestyle changes. But what that's gonna do, when we choose to experience the presence of God, knowing God sent his son to us so we could be with him, what it does is it creates in us something that we don't have apart from God. And that's hope. It creates a reliance on something that will never change. So that even if I'm stressed out, even if someone's let me down or betrayed me or stabbed me in the back, I'm going through difficult things, I know that God is waiting for me. I know that God is with me. I know that he has good things planned for me. I know that I'm going to be with him for all of eternity. It keeps your eyes up and beyond instead of right here. So I want to encourage you this Christmas season to recognize what Christ did giving his life on the cross for you, defeating death for you so that you can be with God in an appreciation, say, God, this Christmas season, I wanna be as close to you as I can possibly be. All right, let's pray together. God, we come to you and just, I just wanna express our love to you and how thankful we are for what you've done. 
We recognize the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, is, is God taking on human flesh. An act of mercy and an act of grace that we don't deserve. That Christ, you took on flesh and you walked among us. You humbled yourself. You didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but you humbled yourself and became obedient to God, even to the point of death on the cross. And so we thank you for that, because without your sacrifice, without your willingness to be disconnected from your Father, we couldn't be connected to him. Without your sacrifice for our sins, we would still be in our sins. But you made a payment for sin once and for all. And so as we look not just to a manger, but to the cross, we know that the joy of Christmas, the hope of Christmas, is that you made a way that we could be with you. You made a way for us to be forgiven. You made a way for us to be free. You made a way for us to have hope. You made a way for us to have real joy. You made a way for us to have peace with you. And so this Christmas season, we want to focus on that. If there's anybody who's never put their faith in you, God, I pray that they would do that in this moment, that they would say what they've never said before, you're God and you saved me through Christ, and I believe that. You forgave my sins, Christ, on the cross, and I believe that. You rose again, I believe that, proving power over sin and death. And that God, as people are making that decision for the first time today, you fill them with your spirit and you give them life that they couldn't have otherwise. Eternal life begins now and lasts forever. That you draw all of us together as a church family so that we can live in this hope and keep each other focused on the right things. That we can look forward. Thankful for the life, the new life that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. So we thank you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.